consider ourselves a creative upper class. When it comes to ideas, we're just in a different tax bracket. Hey guys, you're welcome to the Creative Habit Podcast. I'm your host, Rodney Omeokache. And before I say anything else, I want to thank you guys for your support. Gratitude is important in everything I do, because you could be doing anything else in the world right now, but you choose to listen to me. You choose to listen to the Creative Habit, especially those hour-long episodes. I really do worry that it might be too long, but... Some of you go the distance. You guys are the real MVP. The podcast is growing steadily. I get listens from all over the world. The other day, I saw that my Valentine's Day episode was listened to for the first time by someone in Russia and another in frigging Madagascar. To me, that's crazy. I have, I have very managed expectations as to how well my content does. So the fact that someone in Madagascar fucks with my content is crazy to me. Whoever you are, thanks for listening, and don't forget to share the podcast with your countrymen. Okay? Okay. <laughs> Moving on to, the, to, to today's agenda, business, specifically being creative in certain aspects of business. Before I continue, let me just preface this by saying I'm not going to be speaking, to, to, to speaking as, as an authority in business. I'm good at many things, and business is not one of them. Like some of you, I'm still earning my stripes, learning the ropes, and just being a student of the game. I'm not successful yet, but I'm a long way from ground zero. I have tried stuff, I have failed, and as a result, I have a bit of insight on what works for me, especially. Everything I'll be sharing will be coming from my experience running my company, Avo Creative. Avo, that's AVO, a branding and marketing agency which I started about a year ago. In this episode, I'll be speaking on pricing creatively. Well, why did I say it like that? <laughs> pricing creatively. I'll be addressing the know your worth approach to pricing. And that's BS, by the way. Oh, and, and one of my listeners, Godwin, shout out to you, Godwin. Godwin requested I, I, that I address this particular topic. So, Godwin, this is for you. And finally, I'll be talking about friends, supporting friends in business. This I can't wait to get into. I have so many thoughts and unpopular opinions. So, hang in there. Stay tuned. There will be no guests on this episode. In case you didn't know, having guests on is a logistical nightmare. So, it's going to be just you and me. Let us begin. Welcome back to The Habit. So, if you're in business, you will agree with me that there is nothing scarier than asking people for their money, especially if you're a creative. I remember it literally made me sick to my stomach every time I got to the, so how much do you charge phase? I used to be so unsure of how to answer that question. I always felt like I was defrauding my client when I stated how much I wanted to be paid. It didn't help that clients were assholes themselves. They would guilt me into reducing my already low fees. They would say things like, why are you so expensive? And I would chicken out and go even lower for fear of losing them to someone with lower prices. Like, 
that can you relate? That was me. But like any skill, it gets easier the more you do it. Now, when a client asks me why I'm so expensive, I get cocky and I'd be like, because I like nice things. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. That's what I say in my head. What comes out of my mouth is a well-rehearsed, thought-out response, describing the value I'm creating for them with my services. You should see me in action, man. I'm amazing. I really am. And to get to this level of confidence, I had to dramatically change the way I thought about my profession. I was a full-time photographer at the time. So you can imagine what that was like. And I had to get, create, I had to get creative with how I positioned position myself and the psychology of pricing. One piece of advice most creatives get is a vague statement along the lines of, know your worth. Know your worth. Mm. On the surface, it seems like, like gospel, but it's so easily misunderstood. It's a problematic advice because it makes it about you instead of the work. It forces you to be subjective rather than objective about the facts. I think you should say, know your worth in the market or, or know what your work is worth. Because the original statement can be easily confused with knowing your worth as a person. And those are two separate things. In case you didn't know, how much money you're making does not equal your self-worth. If you're one of those shallow individuals whose sense of self is tied to their bank account, I feel bad for you, son. Disconnect the two right now if this is you. So just charge how much the project is worth. Who cares what you think you're worth? Because, for example, I often refer to myself as a god. So if I charge my clients, my clients based on that, I'll be out of business yesterday. Know your worth is, pro- is problematic advice because it tricks you into making entire business decisions with your ego instead of considering the facts like how much the client can actually afford or how much your service is worth to them. Don't get me wrong, okay? Don't get me wrong. Ego is important, but you have to balance it with the facts. The way I do this is I break down my bill into two, the the production fee and the creative fee. So the production fee is is basically the raw costs of what it would take to get the job done. So if you're a photographer, for example, this would include the makeup artist, styling, props, equipment rental, location scouting, etc. Then add a markup to the fee for your effort in putting the whole thing together. Next is the creative fee. This is you placing a number on the problem you're solving for the client, the value you're providing, the skill and expertise, things like retouching, creative direction, your unique style, your creative eye, your experience, the intangibles that make the project a resounding success. This is where your ego can come in. Put a number on it in direct proportion to the value you're providing. Add both fees together, and then be prepared to defend that shit because no client is going to accept your fee on the first go. This is actually the hard part. It's hard enough putting a number on it. But now the next thing is getting a client to buy in because the client will accuse you of being too expensive. And if you're an amateur, your first reaction is to, is to you know, get offended or discouraged. But a pro sees this differently. The way I see it, If you never have clients tell you that you're expensive, you're probably not charging enough.
you're leaving money on the table. And in the next segment, I'll give you some tips on how, well, you know what? I'm not giving you tips. I'm just telling you how I respond to that. Okay. This is just me speaking from my experience. In general, I try to charge high enough that they're willing to negotiate, but not too high that they run away. It's a sweet spot that, that takes time to master, but I'll just let you know how, I, how I've gone about it. Welcome back to The Habit. Where were we? How do you respond when clients tell you you're too expensive? First, you have to understand a few things. Price is a reflection of value, and your client sees value as two things. One, it's a great price when the value is higher than the fee. Two, it's too expensive when the fee is greater than the potential value. Achieving this balance takes time. Trust me, even I haven't got it down pat, but I know what I'm aiming for when I get to the negotiating table. Never reduce your fee immediately after hearing you're too expensive. Because once you give your clients an inch, they will take the whole fucking foot. And before you know it, they've priced you down to the barest minimum. That's the first tip. Also, listen to their reasons for saying so. Listen to their reasons for accusing you. Don't haggle. Keep your calm and respond appropriately before you make a decision because how low you decide to go should hinge on their, on their reasons for saying so. <laughs> I rhymed there. <clears throat> anyway, so when my client accuses me of being too expensive, I ask, compared to what? I ask this question when, when I can tell that they've been bargain hunting and it puts them on the spot like a deer in headlights. Some will, some will tell you that your rate is more expensive compared to the other contractors that they've contacted. And you cannot control what, what another person charges. So the best you can do is explain the fee breakdown as intelligently as possible. As well as the ways you work will help them reach your, their goals. That's help them see your value. Because having heard their answer, you can now decide if a reduction is worth it. If I'm not really feeling the project or the client's vibe, then I just ignore them because some clients are just not worth the effort. In fact, in my experience, cheap penny-pinching clients are usually the worst to work with. They will make you work for more than you're, you're paid. It's the worst situation to be in. It's so toxic. So let that even be something you look out for. If you have a lot of work coming in, you can afford to politely decline their business. They may never work with you again, but they'll respect you. And respect pays dividends in the long term. And if I'm really digging the project, I try to compromise by asking them what their budget is. What are they willing to pay? What seems reasonable in their eye? Let me know where they're starting from. And then perhaps we can meet in the middle. And then when I hear their budget, I explain to them what can be achieved within that price range keeping in mind my production and creative fees. If the client doesn't have a budget, it simply means they're not ready to do business and they're not even worth haggling with. When I ask the budget question, it lets me know how serious they are about going forward. You know, so, and other times I get a sense that the client is being indecisive but doesn't want to say no. I politely, I politely ask, do you really need my services? 
Sometimes clients that think you're too expensive just want an easy out from the work. So, you know, you got to reason that as well. Mentioning cost is the easiest way to back out of something that they don't want to do anymore. With these clients, I suggest that they get in touch with me in the future when they are ready. Nothing wastes time like passive-aggressive behavior. So, these are some of the ways that I try to manage my clients that are bargain hunters. Remember, amateurs get mad. Pros educate their clients. Pros try to get into the heads of their clients. Another trap, another trap I fell into when I was younger was underpricing my clients after he or she must have promised me that they would pay me higher on future pro- projects. <laughs> that is a scam if you ever heard one. We, we, I think we've all been victims of this. But here's the thing, and here's the thing that changed my, my, my life forever. Very rarely does a client keep their promise. Because once a client puts you in a certain price range, they will never pay you more. If your fee is $5,000, but you decide to do it for $500, they will keep you in that $500 box forever. And once they get $5,000, they will go meet the person who charged them $10,000 and try and get a deal off them. The game is the game. Just be aware and prepare to respond appropriately to such requests. The way I operate at this stage of my career, is, is either I work for free or full price. I say no to a, to a job unless it, it answers two of three questions. One, is it good for my portfolio? Two, am I making good money? Or three, is it an extraordinary opportunity to work on something truly creative? If two of these three criteria are met, you're in business. But let me just reiterate, okay, that I'm speaking from my experience and, you know, high, and, and how I do things. I'm not an authority in this at all. This is not the end-all, be-all on the matter. Okay? Finally, beware of benchmarking. This is the process of looking at how your direct competitors price their services. Think about it. Your competition might be bad at pricing as well. So you don't always want to, to always measure yourself by their standards. Right? So, before I wrap up this segment, let me just say this. Whatever you do, be intentional about the kind of pro you want to be because this will affect your pricing going forward. If you're trying to be premium and expensive, do that. If you're trying to serve a general audience, do that. Don't be accidentally doing one or the other. Don't be bouncing in between both, you know, markets. There are photographers, for example, who have low prices and really high volume. They shoot graduations, weddings, and run photo studios, and they make a ton of money because of the high volume of work coming in. Then there's people like me who only get out of bed for X amount of money. Both are valid and profitable. The only thing you can do wrong is accidentally being one or the other. Imagine being premium one day and affordable the next day, just being all over the place. Your inconsistency makes it hard for you to take your own pricing seriously, and that will make it hard for you to climb the price ladder. You feel me? Feel me. The point of this podcast is creativity in all things, 
including something as uncreative and as tedious as setting a price for your services. All I've said applies not only to creatives, but to all kinds of professionals. So start today to retrain your thinking. Explore your beliefs about creative services, where you develop those beliefs, and what you think the world thinks of creative professionals. What true value you bring to your client, ETC. And before you know it, you can look your clients in the eye and charge them top dollar with your chest. Oh, it's a beautiful thing when you nail it. And that's that for this segment. Welcome back to the Creative Habit Podcast. I'm your host, Rodney. And if you're still here, we're about to dive into the Friends Who Don't Support Friends segment. Oh, I've been waiting for this. I've been, I have so many thoughts. I'm about to just go into a straight rant. No breaks in the segment, so please bear with me. Um, There's this thing where people get emotional on social media, calling out their friends for not supporting their businesses as if they're the reason for your market not selling. Let me just say, that's some bullshit. Don't get me wrong, I I empathize. It sucks when people who should be in your corner don't help you achieve your goals, don't support you. In fact, let me just say this, friends who don't support each other are scum. But that is not something to dwell on when it comes to business. The fact is, Nobody on earth owes you a thing, not your parents, and certainly not your friends. So when, it, when, I, when I came across or when I come across tweets of people complaining and guilting their friends, I have zero sympathy. One of the assumptions is that friends who don't support each other don't want to see their friends do better than them. That may be true, or, hear me out, it may be what you tell yourself to feel better about your, your, your poor business decisions. I'm just saying. Because once you start thinking like that, you have already failed. You're not in business. That's a hobby, man. I can't take anyone who thinks like that serious. Think about it. All right, let's break it down. Business is slow, right? And you think it's because your friends aren't supporting you. Okay, cool. And rather than talking to them privately, like an adult, you come on social media to guilt them. What kind of weak shit is that? Huh? It's so easy to blame some outside force. If it's not your friends, it's the economy. If it's not the economy, it's the government. It's never you. What if, and hear me out, what if your product or service is just trash? What if they're not ready to put their name behind something that is so par? Or what if they're broke? What if, you know, they ain't got the funds to support your your goals and shit. Whatever the reason, it's not something you should be concerned with. No one owes you anything. Not a retweet, not a referral, nothing. Those are welcome luxuries, but you should not expect or depend on them for success. Every other day, there's someone out there complaining about their friends not taking their business as serious as they themselves are. The success of your business is not the responsibility of your friends, okay? Let's get that clear. No wonder they call millennials entitled. When was the last time you heard an accomplished business person complain that their friends were not supporting them? You you don't ever hear them say, 
I am successful because my friends bought my product or whatever. Mark Zuckerberg had zero friends at the time he first debuted Facebook. But look at him now. Steve Jobs was the least friendly or family-oriented person, and yet he built Apple. Support or not, it's all the same when you know who you are and what you're offering. You're in business to make sales, to make money, to make dollar bills, yo, not to make friends. A lot of the pain we suffer is because we expect too much from people. We put too much of our faith and trust in them. We set ourselves up for disappointment when we operate this way. That's the fact. How can you possibly hope to build a successful business when you're constantly in your feelings, worrying about the things that are out of your control? Business, business is not for victims, yo. Business is not for the faint of heart. And if something as inconsequential as a retweet from your friend makes you emotional, then I'm sorry. You're not ready to do business, my friend. Business is business, it's not personal. It's okay for friends and family to support you and your business, but that should not be something you depend on. It's not a strategy. Your business should never be at the mercy of your friends and family. Eventually, you'll find that the majority of the people who truly support you aren't even your closest of friends. Friends always have an agenda. Their familiarity often muddies the water. But a stranger who, who, who only knows you based on the value you bring to the market will support you through and through. Let me reiterate. Friends always have an agenda. Their, fam their familiarity always often muddies the water. But a stranger who knows you based on the value you bring to the market will support you through and through. Let me sip this water, please. Even the math doesn't add up. How many friends do you really have? And out of those friends, how many are real? How many are fake? Even if your real friends bought from you or referred you, will it ever be enough to make a profit? How much business can you realistically generate if all your friends became your personal business hype men? What if your friends don't have enough influence so their hype falls on deaf ears anyway? What if you and your friends fall out? Does that mean you're losing money too? Does that mean you go out of business because they're the only support system you have? God damn it, think about it. Another thing people say is they won't support you until you make it. And I'm like, well, duh. Support is earned. When have you ever supported anyone without them doing something that put them on your radar? Some people are watching you to see if you, if you support yourself before they get involved. They want to see if you're faithful to your vision before they give their time, money, and other resources to assist. We, have, we, often, we often forget that we are the only ones who know the entire scope of our visions. You probably suck at communication and marketing, so you probably don't know how to persuade people or share your dreams passionately. If you're fortunate to have someone who vibes with you on a level where what is understood ain't got to be explained, then lucky you. But most times, people are just trying to see what you're made of. Nobody wants to attach their names to a failure, to trash. Do you understand what I'm saying? We are too dependent on others for our happiness, our success. Rather than sit and think about 
the solutions to our problems, we feel the need to always have to go to someone or blame someone. We give people too much power. Don't wait for your friends to buy from you. Don't wait for your friends to encourage you. Don't wait for your friends' approval. Rely on your motherfucking self. Read up, research, and make a plan. Focus on creating a dope service or product and find a way to get it in front of the right audience. That is where all your time and energy should be concentrated. Let's not use our friends as an excuse for why our shit ain't moving. That's too easy and irresponsible. And if you start a business and you, and you can't think past your friends and families as customers, you will fail. You heard it here first, okay? You will fail. Friends are nice, but you don't need them to succeed in business. Besides, we shouldn't be so quick to throw our friends under the bus because, because they don't support us in the way we expect. Expectations are the devil. Remember that. The moment you expect things, you set yourself up for disappointment. We shouldn't put that kind of pressure on each other. It's not fair. It's even advisable to keep your friends and business separate. Okay? They won't be responsible for your success. Neither should they be responsible for your failure. Imagine beefing your friend because they don't retweet your post. How petty is that? How unbelievably petty is that shit? Let me reiterate, please. You don't need friends. You need customers, partners, investors, people that will hold you accountable. Your friend won't always hold you accountable. They will only hold your hand, but they won't hold you accountable. And I guess that's what most people want, to be handheld, to be cuddled. But you don't need that. You have everything you ever need. Forgive your friends, love them regardless, and focus on developing the skills that will grow your business. If they support you, that's an added bonus. If they don't, keep it moving. Just as long as they don't talk down on you or discourage you. Check yourself before you wreck yourself. And that's it for this episode of the Creative Habit Podcast. Thank you so, so much for listening. Your support is immense. If you would like to be notified when new episodes go live, do subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else podcasts can be heard. If you haven't already, you can follow at the Creative Habit Podcast, one word, on Instagram. You can also follow me, your awesome host, on Twitter and Instagram at Rodney Avo. That's Rodney A-V-O, one word. Feel free to hit me up, talk to me, converse with me, make suggestions, anything. And finally, share this episode and this podcast with your friends and family, your besties and your exes, your spouses and your children, your main squeeze and your side piece, anybody that you think would benefit from my content. Thank you very much. Rodney, out.